0: Hey everyone, welcome to a Plain Accounts weekly podcast where every week we open the lectionary to the gospel lection to see what God might be saying to us and to our people. Um, thanks for tuning in. I know that you all listened to Ben and Danny chat last week, which was sweet to have Danny around. Um, and it's good to be back. Yeah, I'm here with to ben. Back. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Ben. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, let's. Uh, I am super excited to continue to dive in to the parables of Matthew. Matthew is one of my favorite texts, and the parables of Jesus are just infinitely uh, good for me to come to my people for preaching. I think every time I return to them, there's something new that unfolds itself to me. Um, Even just this morning as we were preparing, there were like some new things that kind of sparkled up to me from the text, so I'm excited to dive in. Me too. Any thoughts before we get started?
1: I just have really been, I think parables in and of itself are one of my favorite genres. Um, I I think that's why it enjoys a lot of the old uh, major and minor prophets is because they speak in metaphors so often. And I think there's just so much in trying to describe the truth that words fail to describe that word pictures like parables um, really do resonate with me, so I'm excited as well.
0: Same, same. That's uh, my literature background, all of that. (laughs) Um, really resonates. Well, let's dive in to Matthew chapter 13. And we've, uh, the lectionary has spliced up the chapter a little bit. So we've got verses 31 through 33, and then 44 to 52. So I'll read it all together as one. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, she went and sold all she had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good in baskets but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of this? They answered, yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Spirit of God. There is so much that's happening in this passage. It's like the kingdom of heaven is like this and again this and again this mm-hmm. and again this. Um, and it's it's such a rich tapestry of images. Uh, what it actually makes me think of is... Um, is a style, a style of art that I quite like. I'm flashing back to some of the art history classes I took um, as a university student. There's this, I'm thinking about the times when I was able to go to um, impressionist exhibits. So there's like, like Monet's great paintings of lily pads or, um, or the famous pointillism kind of style where you're up close to these giant canvases and all you see is like chaos of color and texture, but you take steps back lots of steps back and you kind of see the whole thing with more clarity it's kind of counterintuitive you would think the closer you got to something Mm -hmm. the more clearly you could see it Um, but actually in these spaces it's the like the wide view the long view that actually gives you the clearest picture of what's going on and part of me feels like this passage this discourse here is quite a lot like that that there are these these various kinds of images that work together in a rich tapestry and at first glance it feels like oh my gosh these are all so different but I think when we step back we can see the threads that connect them and Mm -hmm. the ways that they form like a, a a big picture of what Jesus is trying to communicate about like how the kingdom of heaven comes what it is like what it means to belong to all of that sort of stuff the the there are a couple of other images that come to mind when I think about one this passage, but two a specific parable as a whole. The the ancient Jewish rabbis quite often talked of scripture like a gem, um, with multiple facets, which they they turned over to look at multiple facets facets on facets and every time you turn it it's it's a different view but of Mm -hmm. the same gem and and that's what this feels like to me as well as jesus is trying to talk about the kingdom of heaven the reign of god there there are all of these facets that belong to the same kind of core idea the Mm. the the core picture um how does that land with you ben
1: no i think that Description, especially the pointillism and the metaphor of the jam that the rabbinical tradition uses is so helpful for me, who tends to be one that's over, you know, as an Enneagram five. I t- my temptation is to be overly analytical, and so I can take one little description, like the the yeast, for example, and make it everything and So when Jesus then jumps to the next thing and then the next thing it 's like, "Wait, is it like yeast or is it like a fishing net? Is it like weeds? You know what? Where am I supposed to land to make this one description everything and and I think that is the tendency I encounter at least in my context with Um, with with Christians in my congregation Christians in my context that we you know you mentioned a a great metaphor before we went live about how capital T truth is greater than we can really describe with words and oftentimes we get tempted at taking one slice of that truth and when we get so preoccupied and focus on that one slice, we have a temptation of making that one slice everything.
0: Totally. And,
1: and if we see that in our discourse in a culture, we get so preoccupied with one part of it that we can't even see truth in the opposing, who we label as the opposing party or opposing mm-hmm. side or whatever, when is truth really that reductionistic? Is truth really yeah. that small? Um, so I think your description is so helpful for me and my tendency of, of, of usually to be getting preoccupied with one slice or one description of
0: Totally, and I, I think that's what the parables are about, like what the parables mm-hmm. are for. Yeah. Um, before we went live, when we were talking about that, I I quoted from a uh, a, a poet who I really love and admire, Emily Dickinson, mm-hmm. um, and this is how she communicates her philosophy of poetry, or how she talks about uh, uh, the meaning of life, what the world is, how how we as humans occupy it, you know, like mm-hmm. big things, um, and and her her. Her poem goes like this: "Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight. The truth's superb surprise." Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she's talking about the ways that, like, when we're trying to communicate, like these big, mysterious realities about life and love and death and the human condition. Like there isn't any way to, to reduce it to like one tiny little slice. Right. And honestly, I think that's what Jesus is doing in the parables, right? When you're trying to talk about the reality of the reign of God in the world, they're there isn't a, a reductionist way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that the closest that Jesus gets is saying, repent and believe the kingdom of heaven is near. I think that's the most reductionist Jesus gets, but each of those words stands for such a larger discourse. Like yes. what does it mean to repent, to change your mind and your heart and your yes. your, your direction? What does it mean to believe, to, mm-hmm. to change your allegiance, right? Mm-hmm. What, What does it mean? Like, what is the kingdom? What is this reign uh, of God, and how is it different from anything we've ever imagined? What, like, what does it mean that heaven is near or Mm. close or or in the air around our bodies? Like, that, and and that's that's I think just as reductionist as Jesus gets. And so, Mm. as he tries to invite invite people, especially his disciples, into this reality, the only door that he has are these stories or these images to turn mm. over, um, that then kind of invites them into this cyclical meditative understanding. But it no. also it also doesn't end there. He also sends no. them out to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think we see that in some of our parables around here. Mm-hmm. Um, that that there is this kind of action component as well yeah
1: i I think that's so crucial as we begin this conversation to to take into account because i think one of the tensions that scripture uh tries to present from the first garden of adam and eve that the temptation of humanity in our wisdom is to take what is truthful and put it into categories of right and wrong, when the categories of right and wrong don't necessarily, can they contain the whole of what is truthful? Because God is good. There Before creation, there wasn't right and wrong, there was just God. And, and so there is only goodness, what we would define goodness in relationship to what we define as bad. And, and so then Jesus is trying to describe what is all encompassing of uh, truthfulness and trying to maybe pull us out of these locked in categories of what we define as right and wrong because if we don't get that then i think we look at the weeds and the tares the separation of the sheep and goats the good fish from the bad fish then we start to maybe see the ending of the kingdom as, as god stepping into those categories and say okay finally we're going to get to the bottom of it of who's in who's out who's good who's bad um,
0: yeah and i think there's a reason that in this passage the like the separation parable Mm -hmm. because like you said there are several of those parables woven into the discourses of jesus throughout all of the gospels but i think there's a reason that 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 particular slice of the story that jesus is telling comes at the end right Mm -hmm. why and why Mm -hmm. we get the others before right um and so remember in this discourse, in chapter thirteen, in particular, we've had the parable of the sower. Um, there's a lot of talk about seeds, and here, here we have the mustard seed, a, like a tiny seed that eventually, over time, grows into the biggest tree in the garden. Um, and uh, and also we have the parable of of leaven or or of yeast being worked into a batch of dough that then eventually. Um, leavens the whole thing right Mm. i jesus is talking about these these small and hidden things that then have drastic growth in the same way that jesus is talking about the seeds that fall in the fertile soil and produce like a 100 fold kind of crop so Mm. there's there's something about the kingdom that jesus is trying to say begins really small or it's or it's hidden or seems insignificant um but has this surprising drastic inevitable growth to it
1: yeah absolutely that and and i think that's helpful to know because that seems to be a theme that we can at least infer from several of these parables this theme of hiddenness along with the theme of of growth maybe um that would be a good place to to look at is seeing how some of these overarching themes connect in these parables rather than taking them one at a time with our yeah
0: totally totally um I, and and it does it does seem like that kind of element of of patiently fermenting mm. um seems seems really really resonant um yeah. lately yeah um, absolutely. Uh, there there 's a there 's another parable folded into this passage that I quite love it 's been really meaningful to me in my own um, personal faith journey and that 's the one about the treasure hidden in a field mm. um, that there 's a treasure hidden in a field someone finds it, and then, in their joy, sells all that they mm. have and buys that field and and it's it 's a sort of two part parable or, or or kind of double sided coin um, and the other part is uh on there there's a merchant in search of fine pearls and Mm -hmm. on finding one pearl of great value uh she goes and sells all she has to buy it um and and this has this has some of those same images of hiddenness and of surprise that we were just talking about in the seed and the Mm -hmm. yeast there's that like uh and and i i think again jesus is trying Jesus is trying to say some things that seem contradictory about the kingdom of God, about the reign of God in the world, that it is near, it is close, it's here and now and it's for you, but it's also hidden, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, wait, what? If the, yeah. if the kingdom is hidden, like, how do we find it? If, if it's hidden and near, what does that even mean? And perhaps I think that Jesus is saying that God has resorted to the oldest trick in the book, that, that mm-hmm. it's hiding in plain sight, like, and, and it, it surprises you. It catches you off guard. I think they're, they're, I, even just the form of a parable is supposed to have this punchy kind of surprise that mm. knocks you off your feet, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so in that way, the form mirrors the message that, that Jesus is, is saying, that the, that the kingdom catches you off guard. It knocks you off your feet, right? Like the finding of this treasure or of a pearl of great price. But what I'm really intrigued by is the next bit of it like so you find a treasure in a field like why not just take the money and run like why not just like just take it and go um like what what is this about like buying the field um and and it speaks to me of this like this you you mentioned the word allegiance before um and and i think it's 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 about that it's about this kind of responsibility Mm. there's this reordering that happens when you encounter the surprise of the kingdom of god um that that demands that you leave your old life and come to a new life, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the kingdom is not something you could just take for yourself and try to integrate it into your old way of being, right? An encounter with Jesus doesn't give you some sort of magic condiment to sprinkle on top of your life and make everything better, right? Yeah. It, it, is, it demands a totally new life. And again, there are all sorts of other images in in our in our scriptures, in Jesus's own discourses about like being born again, um, about following on the way, like like there is this decision point um, where the old life must be left behind in order to belong to the new life, to the mm-hmm. new way, um, to to this this reign of God here and now. Um, and, and I think I think the the parable of the hidden treasure speaks to that kind of responsibility that response and responsibility and this like relocation right like you you leave mm-hmm. the old way and enter the new way yeah um, and and I think maybe perhaps that element then sheds light on this like separation. the wheat and tares are good mm-hmm. fish and bad fish, right mm. um, that that there there is already an initial separation a leaving of the old way to join the new way yeah. and then at the end of the age there will be god's own separation where those who have done that work have had that response are separated from those who have not mm. how does that land with you i struggle with this with these like separation kind yeah. of parable
1: well I think yeah I think what you've really highlighted for me in that description it was just so helpful was that maybe two two parts of that I I really resonated well with is that this this sort of um uh finding this field the 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 pearl of of great price as it's often called there's there's this sense that you know even with the parable of the ye, uh there's there's this sense of people who are able to see and understand the value. So like Mm -hmm. finding the treasure doesn't bring confusion or, um, or perplexity or something like that. Joy is the response. So obviously the person who found it knew the value of this treasure, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the, The person understood the, the preciousness of that pearl, you know, the person, the baker understood the value and the purpose of the, of the yeast. And so there's this, this delineation of those who find it and then understand and acknowledge the value and almost surrender to it, right? Surrender to the acknowledgement of that. And and then maybe that is what separates is what the separation is, the acknowledgement of this this preciousness that Jesus is pointing out to. Like, when you find the kingdom, some people are going to be like, meh, you know, this is whatever. You know, I'm going to still con- continue pursuing what I value, what what is important and I, what I want to give my responsibility to. And so then maybe it's that sort of hiddenness. Like you said, it's hidden in plain sight. Other people may not value what you see so plainly, but you're going to value it and it's going to bring joy into your hearts and you're going to desire to sell everything even and and take all of the responsibility for um, for that kingdom. And by the end of the age then, we can't tell who's good and who's bad. That's also hidden, right? And maybe that's what we need to read into the separation is that the good fish and the bad fish are all swimming in the same water, right? And so uh, I heard a a brilliant uh, description of of, uh, white privilege, white supremacy uh, the other day that said, you know, it's like fish swimming in water. And one fish says, Do you know we're swimming in water? The other fish is like, you're you're insane because water is all they know. Mm -hmm. And similar to white privilege, when you know one white person understands finally the privilege that they have been recipients of their whole existence, they're like, oh my gosh, have you seen this privilege? And like, you're absurd. That's crazy. That's not even real. It's like a fish in water. I think that's true in a sense with the kingdom of god that uh, like oh my gosh have you seen the kingdom and other people will be like all right you're crazy that's not even a real thing but it's right in plain sight like it's so apparent when you see it
0: yes and and then i think um the the further kind of richness or nuance that this collection of parables gives to us is that um everyone's on their own journey to Mm -hmm. discovery Mm -hmm. right that's i think the parable of the seed that through a long season of darkness in the ground eventually grows right or or the yeast that then become like at first you just have dough and it just looks like dough but eventually it begins to rise and then it is bread right Mm -hmm. um where it's it's not up to us to know who is becoming the good soil or who right. is coming to that point of realization, right? Um, that it it is God who sees those hidden things. Mm-hmm. Um and as as I I heard you and Danny talk about, like our God turns saints into sinners. Our God is the one who is who is transforming the tares into the wheat. Like the, this this is the the hidden miraculous work mm-hmm. of God's kingdom. God desires that all would be saved and mm-hmm. is like co- constantly wooing and drawing people in to this reign of light and love and peace and justice. And there are some people who will see it and respond with joy. And there are some people who will take a long time, right? Yep. And, yeah. and, and who knows, who, who knows from the outside how mm-hmm. that is going, um, but that's the work of the kingdom. Right, um, right. And, And I, I find, I find the parables here, like in this kind of tapestry helpful in talking about
1: that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And, And I think again, to your, the point you started with is it's so important to not take one parable and make it everything in relationship to the, to the gospel, but see how these, these parables really do, um, Connect. Because if you just take verses, you know, the, the very last parable of the fish, you can just walk away, like, without any help of understanding what to look for, or how, you know, but, but if you understand the arc of these parables together, then it really does help to put that last parable into perspective.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, like we said, there's just so much richness to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Are there any final thoughts or kind of closing images? Do you have a sense of how you're zooming in to preach this to your people mm-hmm. this week?
1: Well, I'm actually uh, to take the lead on on what you said about pointillism. I think I'm going to take some iconic pictures. Um, Because we're still online and so it's actually, you know, pretty simple to put up some slides and things like that on the whole screen. And so I'll take some iconic pictures and zoom in on just a portion of it and, and just say, hey, can we guess what this is and have people respond in the comments and kind of participate that way. And then have that be perhaps the beginning of saying, so then what is the kingdom of God like? You know, when we when we look at each one of these parables and how do we kind of uh, not get stuck on one description of it, but really see all of the parables, even in the ones that we've looked at the last previous couple of Sundays, how do we then step back and say, okay, we're getting a bigger picture here, more lines, more definition in what the kingdom of God is saying and what uh, Christ is trying to illuminate here. And then I'd probably focus on the the themes of hiddenness because i I think that's one thing that's really connected in in all of the parables here how how about you
0: oh i love that yeah that's really good i think i kind of similarly i'm really convicted about this kind of tapestry of images Mm -hmm. um but i i think one of the key themes that i want to highlight will be this surprise um and and the ways that 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 engenders a kind of joy, um, mm-hmm. a, a joyful response. Um, I think I really want to talk about this, this good news of, of the kingdom that surprises us and catches a, us off guard, this, this beautiful treasure, which then demands something of us, it demands, it demands a response. Um, yeah. I think that's where I might want to focus.
1: Oh, that's so good. Well, this has been wonderful again. I love these conversations.
0: Me too. It's it's good to be back. It's good to dive into a familiar text but one that continues to sparkle up at me in in a meaningful way. Um so we hope all of all of y'all who've been listening have found um, something helpful for your own preaching. But I also pray that during our conversation, you're finding some ways to enrich your own faith and your own journey. I know that that's been true for me today. So I've been grateful for that gift. for for those of you who are listening, we invite you to come check out our website. We've got some stellar commentaries there as always. Um, uh, subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't. Check us out on all the socials. Leave us a comment um, or a review if you've found this resource helpful. That is really helpful to us and a great gift to us. So Absolutely. we'd be grateful if you would take just a couple minutes of your time um, to connect with us online outside of the podcast space. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, we'll send you off with a blessing. Preach boldly. Preach well. May you be surprised by the goodness of God's reign.
1: Amen. Peace.